of the greatest obstacles to crafting health and wellness is identifying and controlling inflammation. It's at the core of all complex and chronic diseases. And it's the driving mechanism that underlies the most common symptoms that people like you struggle to overcome. Join us as we explore cutting-edge science and research to give you the information and tools you need to create the quality of life you want and deserve. So we're going to close out this little mini-series on exercise and inflammation with a summary of the major concepts that we've talked about in the last six episodes. And uh, kind of like, let's, let's go general to more specific. You know, generally speaking, all exercise is good. You might have people argue that one type of exercise is better. You've got your yoga fanatics, you've got your Pilates fanatics, you've got your avid runners, you've got your weightlifters. The truth is all exercise is good. And, and certainly any exercise is better than no exercise. But when it comes to developing um, fitness, and we'll talk about that coming up in just a second. When it comes to developing generalized physical preparedness and uh, broad aspects of being fit and healthy, uh, you can't simply just do one thing because no one exercise approach really gives you everything that you want. So, you know, the bottom line rule is any exercise is better than none. You should start somewhere, but at some point as you build capacity, you need to start thinking about what other things you can do to broaden the fitness and the capacity that you have. One of the other main ideas that I've been talking about is this idea that all exercise brings with it a metabolic demand. And what we understand from physiology and, and from exercise science studies is that as intensity of exercise increases, so does the metabolic demand in the form of increased free radicals or what we call oxidative stress, as well as inflammation. And, and so at a very fundamental level, your ability to engage in any level of activity or exercise is going to be governed not by not only by your pre-existing conditioning level for that particular activity, but by your ability to handle the inflammatory and oxidative stress load that comes from the activity itself. And even though you might be, let's say that you're an amateur swimmer and you're pretty good at it, if you try to increase your volume, particularly your intensity, you're going to experience an increased metabolic demand. Do some exercise modalities present more of a metabolic demand and therefore an even higher amount of inflammation and free radical production than others? Sure. Lifting heavy weights or doing functional type fitness, whether it's uh, boot camps or um, Orange Theory Fitness or CrossFit style workouts, these use full body exercises uh, and, and will demand more from your body than simply going for a walk where your heart rate elevates just a little bit. And so one of the things that we that I want you to focus on is that you have all these different variables to choose from that are under your control to tailor your activity and exercise level to whatever your current capacity is so that you don't continue to challenge your recoverability. And recoverability is absolutely critical. If you are doing something and you're unable to recover well, you know, no matter what it is you do, no matter how much of it you do, if you're not recovering and, and you're feeling worse over time, whatever your choice is, that's a bad choice for you. And maybe it's a bad choice for you right now, and maybe you can do it down the road, or maybe you can just simply tweak a variable, usually in the intensity category, um, and then 
kind of match your recoverability and then build your capacity over time to do whatever that thing is much more intensely. And this is all tied up in the idea called the metabolic tipping point. And the metabolic tipping point is where the metabolic demand of your activity level exceeds your ability to handle the inflammation and oxidative stress. And not only do you get diminishing returns, but if you continue pushing that and going past your metabolic tipping point, it becomes actually counterproductive. You actually end up creating more of the things that you were trying to fix. Because remember the context of this entire discussion, and we can have the same discussion from different perspectives and the principles are the same, but the discussion will be slightly different. But the context of this entire discussion is, is exercise for people in the inflammation nation, exercise for people who are metabolically challenged, they're chronically inflamed, a lot of oxidative stress, which means we're, we're talking mostly about people with chronic health conditions that are rooted in inflammatory cycles, a lot of which are going to be autoimmune diseases, chronic infections, leaky gut, that kind of stuff. And so understanding your metabolic capacity and knowing where your tipping point is and only working below that is, is critical regardless of what modality you choose, whether it is a, like a walking program or hiking, uh, rough terrain, or whether it's lifting weights or if it's a jazzercise class, it doesn't really matter what the modality is. You can only do so much before you start to get negative consequences. Ultimately, if the demand of your chosen exercise is greater than your metabolic capacity and it pushes you over your metabolic tipping point, then you need to change something. You either need to change and do a different modality that inherently requires less from you, or you need to sit you need to change something about what you've chosen to do, again, usually the intensity variable, so that it better matches your ability to perform and recover, perform and recover, perform and recover. One of the other things that we talked about along the way is, you know, we talked about really what is fitness and, and we talked about the danger uh, when we talk about fitness or, or concepts like intensity. We talked about the danger of having some external uh, quasi-objective understanding of what fitness and intensity is, like what other people do. Maybe it's someone you admire. Maybe it's locally or some kind of a national sports hero. And you think, well... Someone said, I need to work out intensely, and that's what this person does, and there's no way I can do that, so you shy away from it. Remember, at a fundamental level, intensity is about you and your capacity and nothing else. Forget about everybody else. Ask yourself, what am I capable of? What can I do? What can I do consistently over time, and how do I push that barrier just a little bit periodically so that my capacity begins to grow? You know, ultimately... You have to ask yourself, what is your exercise tolerance? And, and there's a range there. Some people who are very fit and are controlling their inflammatory load can perform at very high levels and recover and do it again. And again, I'll use CrossFit as an example. Typically, the CrossFit champions, both in the men's and the women's side, um, quite often are exercising three to four times a day. And they do this almost 365 days a year. And that's insane, right? The average person absolutely doesn't even need to do that. We're talking about professional athletes. We're not talking about the average person who has, a, you know, a spouse and kids and a job and hobbies and a mortgage. You know, obviously athletes have mortgages too. But my point is, is that you have to have some kind of an understanding of where you are, but also where you want to be. And, and we talked about defining fitness 
and this is not my definition. In fact, I took this from CrossFit. We, we talked about defining fitness as increased capacity across broad time and modal domains, which means that you need to be fit and healthy enough that you can do things of higher intensity for short duration and still be okay and do things for long extended periods of time that require less of you and still be okay and do either one on demand. And, and all of that translates into quality of life. It's a terrible thing when not only do you have to compromise what you're doing in the gym or even going to the gym at all, but it's bad when you start to compromise or see changes in your activities of daily living and you need to have somebody help you lift a box or open a cupboard or reach on a high shelf or squat down to pick something off the ground. Ultimately, at the end of the day, exercise is a tool for you to use to modulate your physiology and to increase quality of life. And in fact, I'll say this, and I know I, I haven't said this in the course of this little mini series, but the number one predictor of aging independence, meaning being old and being able to take care of yourself, is your absolute strength. How strong are you? Can you dress yourself? Can you get up and down off the toilet, in and out of the bed, up and down stairs? Go to the grocery, carry your own grocery bags into the house. Hi there, it's Dr. Noseworthy. I want to extend my appreciation to all of you in the Inflammation Nation who have helped my podcast become a great success in these first few months. I truly appreciate you. also wanted to let you know about my brand new do-it-yourself online program called the 5-Step Gut Protocol. I designed this program for people who want to take charge of their own health and stop waiting around for someone else to tell them what to do. I've combined old naturopathic principles with cutting-edge research to create a truly unique program that will help you construct your own gut protocol. If you've ever wondered if you have gut infections, a leaky gut, or a bad microbiome, then this program will walk you through the steps to figure that out and gives you the tools that you need to formulate a practical strategy to help make things better. I guarantee at the end of this course you'll know more about your gut than your doctor does and you will feel confident that you know how to address your unique situation. You can check it out at my website at www.drnoseworthy.com. That's drnoseworthy.com. And just look for the tab at the top that says the programs. So strength is absolutely important, but it doesn't mean that flexibility and endurance and all of those things aren't. In fact, um, if you want to check out, just go to crossfit.com and you'll, look, you'll find an article there that talks about what is fitness and they define it across 10 different parameters, which is, I think, a, a very apt definition of what fitness is. You know, ultimately, it's about what is your exercise tolerance? What is your individual capacity? And understand that no matter where you are, no matter where you want to go, it takes time to build capacity and be patient with yourself. Because the danger of not being patient and having these external goals or these external standards of someone else's capacity that you're trying to match guarantees that you're going to exceed your capacity and you're going to have not just diminishing returns, but you're going to create your own obstacles in terms of creating your wellness. Which begs the question then, how do you know if you're doing too much? Well, I, I offered some practical suggestions uh, that really comes down to recoverability. Because what happens is when you start to exceed your metabolic capacity, the first thing that, that changes is not your performance. Usually the first thing is that you can perform to the same level, 
but you can't recover. So instead of having to take one day off, you have to take two days off or three days off. In fact, the longer your recovery time becomes, given a certain performance level and output level, then the more that you are starting to erode your metabolic capacity and, and are continuing to violate that. So it starts with an increased requirement for recovery. And then ultimately what ends up happening is not only does it take you longer to recover, you have to start making compromises in the gym or whatever activity it is because now your performance is beginning to suffer. And that may or may not involve things like recurrent injuries or chronic overuse type syndromes. Ultimately at the end, what happens to a lot of people is that they end up going like, I just can't even work out at all. And, and that might be simply because you know, maybe they have a little bit of capacity, but they're just afraid to push it. So a lot of the clients I work with tell me that they can exercise, but they have to be very careful. And they certainly can exercise or be active and have quality of life recreationally the way that they want to and the way that they used to. And ultimately, at the end, even though all variables related to activity and exercise are important, intensity is the key. That's the variable that controls how much inflammation and oxidative stress you're going to experience from your chosen activity. Now, what are those variables? First of all is modality, like what type of activity and exercise are we talking about? Because some things require very little of us, like walking on a flat surface. Some things require a lot, like hiking very rugged terrain with elevation. Other things, let's say in the gym, it's a lot easier to sit in a machine with a fixed path of movement than it is to stand on your own two feet and have a barbell on your back or to use dumbbells. There's just more of a metabolic demand. There's a difference between isolation type movements like, for example, a bicep curl versus global movements like a squat, a deadlift, or an overhead press. These are all things that are under your control, and this is modality. The other variables are frequency, how often are you working out, which kind of also implies rest. So, you know, can you work out six days a week and only take one day off? Or can you only work out two days a week, and you got to make sure you've got four or five days in between each of those workout sessions in order for you to sustain your capacity? Then we have volume. How much do you do when you go to the gym, or how much do you do in the run of a week? But ultimately, at the end of the day, like I've said, intensity is the key. For any given modality, volume, and frequency of work, as the intensity goes up, so does the inflammation and oxidative stress that comes from that activity. And all of this stuff is under your control. In fact, in the in the last um, the last episode that I did, I you know suggested that you can you can manipulate these variables in any way that you need to to be active, to engage in exercise in a manner that allows you to build capacity and to not go through your or over your metabolic tipping point and create the problems that you're trying to fix. The final thing that we talked about was high intensity interval training. That, that seems to be kind of like the holy grail to be able to do two or three sessions of HIT workouts um, on a weekly basis. It, it's certainly not something that the average person needs to do every single day. But the truth is, it doesn't take all that much. It doesn't take all that much at all. Re in reality, just four, five, six, seven, eight minutes of high intensity work with an appropriately constructed work to rest interval 
is going to give you tremendous benefit. And, and so depending on where you are with your capacity, your current conditioning level, and maybe you've got other challenges. Maybe you have some orthopedic issues with hips or knee or back or ankle or whatever the case might be. Everything can be modified. But what I suggested is that if you're going to entertain using high intensity workouts, which remember intensity is personal to you and nobody else, then maybe what you start out with is twice a week, give yourself a few days in between those intervals or between those high intensity interval sessions. And instead of going with the classic Tabata protocol of 20 seconds of hard work followed by 10 seconds of rest over four minutes of time for eight total intervals, that I suggested you flip the work to rest ratio and you actually have longer rest than work and you shorten your time frame. And so maybe you do 15 seconds of a moderate intensity, you're not pushing as hard as you can, and you give yourself 45 seconds, a minute, a minute and a half of rest. And you can track this stuff on your watch. If you are doing a cardio machine like an elliptical trainer or a bike, you can look at the monitor, you can get your time, you can just kind of count. In fact, you can even download these interval timers for your smartphone these days. And, you know, smart watches like an iWatch and I'm sure the Android options have the same or the Android versions of, of smart watches have the same options. There are interval timers and, and that type of exercise kind of built into the tracking modules that they have. The point is, understand the principles. I said last time, forget the language, forget the semantics, ignore words like intensity, volume, all that kind of stuff, and, and just think about how much can I do? How can I push myself a little bit, but give myself plenty of time to recover? And how can I track my recoverability over a period of time to make sure that I'm building capacity and not eroding it? If you're eroding your capacity, if you're finding that your, your rest intervals have to be longer, that you can't work out for as long, you need more time in between your sessions, day to day to day, to recover to be able to do it again. And ultimately, if your performance and recovery go suffering over time, and you find yourself less in the gym, or less outside doing your, your activities outdoors, then you're, you're making a mistake somewhere. And you'll find that mistake probably in the intensity, but it could also be the modality, the frequency, as well as the volume of the work that you're doing. So what I've tried to do in this mini-series is, is just kind of talk about the general principles. I, I set out by saying I wanted to give you a framework, a way to think about exercise and to think about why you might be in the situation where you're in and how to get to the point where you're back to using exercise as a modality. It really exercises is therapy, if you want to think of it that way. But you have to construct it in such a way that's personalized to you. So I encourage you, even if you have to go back and listen to some of these these episodes again, then please, by all means, go ahead and do that. I'm so glad that you listen to the Inflammation Nation. I, I really, truly appreciate you as a listener and the support that you've given me. I'll see you on the next episode with the next topic. Thank you so much for listening to the Inflammation Nation. If you found this episode valuable, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Be the first to know when a new episode drops so that you can stay on top of your game. It also helps others like you find the answers they need. And why not head over to my main website, drnoseworthy.com, that's drnoseworthy.com, to explore my personalized functional medicine coaching programs, submit a question to the podcast, maybe take a quiz, or even reach out to me using the contact form that you can find there. We'll see you next time.